although Fred Allen's death left a massive hole in mid-century comedy. It's not as though there weren't other humorists battling with networks and sponsors. Just ask Gene Shepard. Gene Shepard was born on July 26, 1921 in Hammond, Indiana. He served in the Army Signal Corps in World War II and briefly attended Indiana University. Shepard began his broadcasting radio career in early 1945 on WJOB and later working at WTOD in Toledo, Ohio in 1946. Shepard spent the early 1950s at WSAI and WLW in Cincinnati. He had a late-night broadcast on KYW in Philadelphia. Sure and begotta, it's time for another one of New York's nuttiness days. Sure and begotta, it's St. Patty's Day. Sure. <laughs> he moved to New York for WOR and debuted on February 26, 1955. Uh, by way of a disclaimer, for those of you who cannot tolerate St. Patrick's Day, I would warn you, uh, the following program is that will make you... Uh, Want to flow up? Uh, we're going to... <laughs> oh, yeah, Sean and Bicotta, it's St. Patty's Day. Bring it up. The Gene Shepard Show broadcast for almost 21 years to an audience all along the eastern seaboard, thanks to WOR's 50,000-watt clear channel signal. This is audio from his March 17, 1967 broadcast. All right, that's enough of that. Let's get right out here. Hey, you know, I... I uh... I, I, I have a, you know, even though it's Friday night, you know, Friday's a very exciting time. We get all ready and do all the whoopee stuff and yell and holler. Do you mind tonight, since it is St. Patrick's Day and there is no, I, I don't think really there is any holiday that gets New York as completely involved as St. Patrick's Day. Now, a lot of people are going to say Christmas, but I don't think so. I think, I think there's something about St. Patrick's Day that completely involves this nutty town. And I've never seen it anywhere else, even including Ireland, you know, <laughs> which is the nuttiest part of it all. I've been to, I've been in Ireland myself several times. And I remember one day, uh, I'm, I'm in, I'm in Dublin, see, and, uh, I'm, I'm standing, I'm standing in the bar at the Shelburne. And uh, I'm hoisting a few. Uh, after all, when you're in Ireland, you must do as the Romans do when you're in Rome. Uh, when you're in Rome, you don't, uh, Sitting around there and eat, uh, eat, uh, well, I'll tell you this for, for one thing, when you're in Rome, you don't sit around and have, uh, Braunschweiger, uh, in Rome, you don't sit around and eat, uh, sauerkraut. In Rome, of course, you have pasta, you have, uh, you have lasagna. And when you're in, uh, Dublin, uh, you do as the Romans do. And so I'm standing there up against the bar in the Shelburne and I'm uh, having a little of the, uh, Irish mist and looking into the mirror. And standing next to me is probably the most Irish of all the Irishmen I've ever known. A genuine Irishman, I mean, really. Can you imagine an Irishman with a name more Irish than Seamus Kelly? I mean, Seamus Kelly. And it's not like, but old Seamus looks at me, and I look at Seamus, and we're sipping of the dew, and I said, uh, Seamus, we're in Dublin. He said, ah, Dublin. And then we looked back into the mirror again, and over the mirror they had this painting of this naked lady. Very large, naked lady, an Irish naked lady. She had red hair, 
and uh, she looked very Irish from her. That's what, one of the reasons why that painting was over the mirror in the bar there, because she was so Irish, wasn't it? <laughs> she had a lot of hips, all of her. And so uh, we're both looking into the mirror, and, and uh, Seamus suddenly says to me, uh, uh, it's a shame I can't be in New York at this time of year. And I said, what's the matter, Seamus? He said, oh, there's nothing like New York on St. Patty's Day. I said, nothing like New York on St. Patty's Day? I said, but Seamus, we're in Dublin on St. Patty's Day. Ah, it's nothing, nothing. Nothing, lad, nothing. St. Patty's Day in Dublin is just another day. <laughs> but oh, I'll tell you, in New York, uh, you, you mind if I do a little reminiscing about Ireland tonight? You, you like that? I mean, one of the most, uh, one of the, one of the most, uh, poignant countries is Ireland. I don't, I can't explain it. Uh, I've been in many countries. I've been pretty much all over the world. And each country is, is, is beautiful in its own right. There's no question about it because we're living on a beautiful earth. And uh, that is, it's beautiful from the eye of man. And this is the way we define beauty. And so if you're standing in the Negev Desert, I find it beautiful. Uh, if I'm in, uh, in the streets of Bangkok with that hot, searing oriental sun racking down, I find it beautiful. I find Ireland beautiful. It's a superb country. But each country has a word in my own mind that kind of uh, captures, I don't want to oversimplify, but kind of captures. For example, you must say this about Israel. Israel's exciting. It's an exciting country. Uh, America is a dynamic country. Uh, everybody I know that comes to America, there's something in the air about America. It makes, makes people know. You agree with me? It's a dynamic, strange country. Uh, I've been to countries that could be called languid. Languid. You you step out of the plane and you walk down the street and it's like you're you're in the middle of some kind of soft, warm syrup. It's a languid country. You've been in them. Then I've been in countries that are uh, lascivious. Oh yeah, I've been in lascivious. And and uh, some night after the show, for those of you who are over 21, we'll sit around and talk about a few of those countries. And they're not the ones you think they are. Generally, people think they're Sweden. Not at all. I find Sweden one of the great last bastions of true prudery. Uh, and that's, uh, that's in another sense. But, but uh, Ireland, Ireland is a poignant country. A curious sense that, that hanging over all the hills, I remember stopping by the side of a road one time in this car, driving along, and little English Ford, and I'm all by myself, and, and uh, I stop by the side of the road. And off in the distance, you can see these light blue hills. And I was driving, I was driving to Dublin, and uh, between the blue hills and the road, there were oh, maybe a uh, three or four miles of peat bogs, and there was a soft grayish blue, vaguely, uh, vaguely pink smoke rising or a few little houses between me and the mountains. And it was absolutely silent. And it was just about this time of the year. In fact, it was uh, in March, and that's one of the reasons why I mentioned talking to Seamus about being in Dublin on, on St. Patty's Day, which is exactly what happened a few days later. But I looked over this, uh, this long, low, rolling field, this peat bog, and you could smell it. You could smell the... Uh, you could smell the, the grass, and you could smell 
the peat, and you could smell the smoke. It was all mingled in the air. And in the distance, I could see this, uh, this low-lying hill, just a, a low, a low ridge of hills, and they were purple and vaguely grayish and kind of misty like clouds drifting away. And behind me on the left, there was another short hill that rose green. Every, you know, Ireland really is green. I'm going to say that to you. It's a combination of its, of its, uh, of its, uh, geographical location and the sea air that's always sweeping in over this, this country. It's absolutely green. It's beautiful from that, from that green, grayish, soft, tinted back. I always think of Scotland as burnt orange. Scotland is a burnt orange, brown, uh, shabui country. It's a, it's a lovely country, but a different kind of country, different color, different feeling in the air than it is in Ireland. And off to my left was the sea and a short hill. And rising out of this hill, there was a mound of, of red and gray granite stones. What was left of an ancient castle that had slowly uh, given up and drifted down into the darkness of the ancient past. And now all you could see was this pile of stones outlined against the sky. And this was not tourist country. It was an old, old stone home that had finally lost the battle. And I could smell the smoke. It was silent. You could hear bells ringing on cows. They always have cows off. There's always a cow somewhere near you in Ireland. And you could hear the bells ringing on the cows. And I don't know why, but I had a feeling not of how beautiful this is, which it was. I did not have a feeling of what a great place to be, which it was, but a feeling of how sad all this is. What a sad place Ireland is, in a curious kind of kind of way, and uh, and yet it's a yet it's a, play, a place where, where there's a lot of fun and a lot of joy. Don't don't mistake me. It's not it's not that the people are sad, not at all, but there's there's that poignant quality, that that quality of something vaguely lost, and and. With that bluish tint, that that always hanging gray, blue, green, soft haze that is in Ireland. After you're in Ireland, maybe I would say, oh, maybe a month. You really do believe in elves. You honestly do. You believe in in, uh, in elves and fairies and little people. Because if they're anywhere in the world, they're in Ireland. Now, I'm not, it's, this is a, why? Well, it's hard to say. And I remember one afternoon, uh, walking, walking along a winding street in Dublin, right near the river. And that's one of the most beautiful rivers in the world, by the way. Walking, and across the river, could, you could see the, the brewery. And you could smell the Guinness stout hanging in the air. What a country. And we're walking along through this winding street that was vaguely wet, and I'm with Seamus. And I said, you know, uh, Seamus, uh, uh, it's a funny country. And this is uh, after I had been there maybe two or three times. And uh, the, the, the actual feeling of Ireland began to drift down into me. Uh, when you're first there, all you're interested in is, uh, is, the, is the great dialogue and the dialect and the way the people talk. And Seamus and I were going out to lunch. And Seamus uh, is a writer in Ireland. Almost all Irish, Irishmen are writers in one way or another, even if they never write, even if they only talk. <laughs> it's a, again, it's maybe perhaps that sense of something lost and gone, 
which causes Irishmen to be what they are and talk the way they do and think the way they think. And that we went into this tavern. You know, the curious thing about Ireland, too, is the love-hate quality about it. That all Irishmen love Ireland and hate Ireland. Maybe it's like life itself. Maybe this is why Ireland has a unique place in the hearts of everyone all over the world. Because I suspect that more of life, I mean, the real quality of what life is, can be found in Ireland than anywhere else in the world. Just like your own life. You hate it and you love it. It's hard to know which is the most important. And you keep going back and forth, drifting around between those two, those two poles, love and hate, love and hate. And in Ireland, it's always there. You look around and it's clean and soft and you can smell the sea and you can hear the birds and the bells. And there's that drifting haze of peat bog and smoke and the magnificent horses and the beautiful cattle. And the roads, the winding roads and the old castles. And you have the sense of love and hate. And it's not really hate. It's sadness, really, more than anything else. Because I don't think most people hate life. They get sad about life. And at the same time, they don't really love life. They exhilarate in it. They ecstasy in it. And uh, this is the way it is in, in Ireland. You can't say you love it and you can't say you hate it. And the Irishmen themselves, if you notice, most Irishmen leave Ireland and then spend the rest of their lives writing about it with that strange Sean O'Casey, James Joyce, Frank Sullivan. You can go on down the line and, and uh, there they are, all of them. That, that, uh, that uh, strange, speaking of, oh, that's, that reminds me, this is WOR New York. Hit the whoopee button, will you, man? There are many good beers in America today. And a fine thing it is because you have a choice of quality, of taste, of name, and of price. Now, for those who have a more than average liking for a refreshing...